Hello, hello, and welcome to another spectacular episode of the Spinning Thoughts Podcast. This is Angelo coming at you yet again with my dude and my co-host, Brandon Robertson. What's up, Brandon? Yo, man, you tell me what's going on. Enjoying this uh, beautiful Tuesday evening here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's a nice balmy 45 degrees. It's the best weather we've had in a long time. It's been a little... Uh, back and forth with like some freezing single digit temperatures and yeah it actually feels uh, a lot better 45 feels like 80 it's crazy yes so um without further ado i am really thrilled to introduce our next guest being featured on the podcast so everyone please help me in welcoming jeff from the band my jerusalem jeff how's it going man what's going on jeff good man how you guys doing Good, brother. Feeling good, and we are very excited to be talking to you here today. Thank you for giving us some time. I'm excited to be talking to you guys today. Awesome. So, um, hey, man, uh, just to kind of kick things off, um, we're going to talk about things a little bit more in detail as we go through the podcast, but, you, you know, the band, you guys had a busy 2016, it seemed like. You just released your latest full-length album, A Little Death. Yeah. So congrats yeah, on that. Thanks. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, it was a uh, it was a heavy birth. Yeah, <laughs> but but we got out alive. Everybody's alive. <laughs> no one was injured in the making of a little death. Then, right? <laughs> exactly. So was the irony. Right. <laughs> so, like I said, 2016 was a pretty big year for the band. But what was the best moment for you and the band in 2016? Oh. I feel like I'm I'm a really lucky person. I get to experience a lot of best moments. Um, you know, my favorite part of 2016, easily this last tour that we just did with the Sounds. We just we went on on tour with this band, the Sounds from Sweden, and did a 28 date tour in about 32 days. Wow! And it was uh, it was great. Got to play some of my favorite venues like the Fillmore, the Belasco Theater, yeah, you know, nine thirty club, a lot of great places, you know. So um, you did a lot of traveling then, huh? Yeah, it was uh, it was a little masochistic in the routing. It sort of felt like we were going <laughs> in some figure eights between here. We kind of dipped into Canada, came oh, back wow. into America, went to Canada, came back into America. Um, so it was kind of uh, it was a lot of driving. It definitely felt like a you know. So you're it, gonna have it, a new it, tour manager for your next tour then? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, or or just a, a more comfortable vehicle, hopefully. What are you, you know? guys uh, cruising in, then, as you uh, go from uh, venue <laughs> to venue? We're in a, a beautiful, I would say almost champagne-colored uh, <laughs> 2003 Chevy Express. Oh, there so it's you sort go. Of, it's sort of like a beer can with wheels, is usually <laughs> how I explain it. It's, uh, you know, but uh, 
we, we, we've managed to figure out a way to make it home over the past few years, but I, I think we're due for an upgrade. Yeah. So um, are you guys planning some more dates here in 2017 then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, our our goal is to uh, is to tour as much as we can, hopefully. So, uh, you know, we've just been discussing a plan for uh, Europe and the UK, which we've done a couple times in the past before, but not on this record yet. So, yeah. we're planning that for uh, for hopefully the first half of this year, as well as uh, uh, mainly. I think we'll do like another support tour, and then after that, do our so. Hopefully, you know, I I get I get the most enjoyment out of playing music live. You know, yeah. I don't make re- I don't make records just to sit and listen to them myself at home. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I I enjoy going out there and flexing my muscles in front of everybody. There uh, you go. So fi- fig- figuratively, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> now, you know, Brandon and I we play in some bands together, and, and him and I uh, differ slightly in in the kind of enjoyment that we get uh, playing in a band. I mean, we love all aspects of it, but as you were kind of saying, are you more of a like, do you enjoy more of the live performance aspect or do you, you know, do you really find the enjoyment in the writing and recording process? What What's your favorite? I, I, my favorite is definitely the live aspect, you know, 90% of the time. You know, sometimes there's 10% of the time where you play a show and afterwards you just want to, you know, bury your head in the sand or blow your brains out. But <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time, I get off on it a lot. You know, it's a, for me performing live. Even ever since I was a little kid, you know, it's like it's like an addiction. There's no bigger right. high than that. You know, like I think, uh, I, you know, and, and especially I, I don't know if you've ever seen us, but you know, for people that have seen us before, a lot of the times it's we're we're a lot more energetic live than our albums might. Uh, uh, make it seem we are, uh, you know, I kind of interact a lot with the crowd and even get into the crowd a lot. And, and so does almost everybody else on stage. So it's, it, we kind of let out a lot of energy. And I think when you do with that, a lot of people put a lot of energy back at you. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, music's a lot like relationships and sex and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very, uh, it's an addictive, it's an addictive thing. It, yeah, it really is. And, and being in a band, it, uh, I honestly, I think that music is one of the most incredible, like talents a human being can have, and and so of course every perspective of of the music process is enjoyable. But yeah, the live performance it's unlike anything else, and really, you know, not everybody can do it. You know, so it's it's one of those rare things. If if you have it, you know, it must feel good to do it, right? Yeah, take advantage of it, you know. Definitely, and I think that it's it's the it's the one place where I actually feel comfortable interacting with people you know in my in my in my regular everyday life i'm not the most comfortable person uh you know in groups of people i'm not mr captain social or anything (laughs) like that i'm you know i mean i'm a little bit better than like the shy guy that you know but but i'm not that much better you know and uh and and for some reason when i go on stage for whatever reason my brain flips the switch and you know i'm able to to actually i guess become who I'm supposed to be in my mind, you know, and and I think that's why I'm comfortable in that situation. Is that it's, why you like that the best? Because it's kind of freeing to you, like yeah. you, you know, it's yeah, not like the know, writing process. You know, you, that's you're doing it behind closed doors and things like that. But you know, being on stage, you get to be you, like you said. Yeah, it's sort of like the Clark Kent Superman syndrome. Right. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like I get I get on stage, I get to you know, I get to take my shirt off and put my cape on, and you know, <laughs> hey. 
look at me, motherfuckers. And then when I get off, I'm like the the quiet you realize this is in the room, you know. It's an interesting dynamic because I'm very similar in that same regard, you know. I'm more of a homebody, uh, but there's something that, whether it's the adrenaline or just something that touches the soul when it comes to performing and being up on stage, it, it really kind of shows you know, what you have going on deep down inside. So I, I totally dig what you're saying there. Um, so Jeff, before we dive a little bit deeper into a few more things about uh, your band, My Jerusalem, I was just kind of yeah. curious uh, for you to elaborate a little bit on uh, some of your tastes and interests uh, in music outside of the band. So name some bands or artists that right now you're you're jamming to that, that you enjoy. Oh wow! Let me think. Uh, Tough, you right? know, a lot, it is. Well, you know, you get to this point where, when you when you when you take this on as a career, a lot of what you do is you listen to a lot of your friends' music. Um, you know, for me, I still listen to like a lot of the the stuff I that inspired me when I was a kid. So yeah. I'm always still listening to the Replacements. I'm always listening oh, to the Clash. Yeah. Yep. I'm always listening to Leonard Cohen. You know, but there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot a lot of new great stuff too. Like uh, there's this uh, this young girl Julian Baker whose record she put out last year that I love. Um, you know, I listen to I'm a you know I'm I'm good friends and have worked a bunch with the Spoon guys and and I love listening to their records. Yeah, my fr my friend Mark Eitzel is putting out a record next month that's fantastic that I, he gave me a copy of the other day. Oh, awesome! I don't know. I just sort of like uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that's just standard that I listen to. I've always listened to like a lot of R&B and a lot of old, you know, a lot of Motown and Atlantic Soul and stuff. And So uh, you know. as I was listening to, uh, you know, the really the entire album, uh, A Little Death, again, we're going to talk about it a little bit more in detail here soon. But um, I, first of all, Leonard Cohen, I mean, that's a great uh, kind of comparison almost because now that you say it I can definitely feel like there's some inspiration that trickles over into uh, the band but I also got a lot of um, him in, in there is that any kind of influence that 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 trickles into uh, the band at all I've actually never heard that band in my life I know, really I know then I know the name but I've I actually don't know the band that's they, interesting they have that, they're the ones that have that symbol that's yes. like a, it's like a a heart and a star and yes. like a button, some balls or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the air, it's like the Airbnb. It's exactly what it is. A button, some balls. Like, you got it. That's, I don't know, like. It's like the Airbnb logo on my phone. It looks like a vagina <laughs> and like and and some balls all kind of mushed together. D yeah, definitely so sort of check it out sometime and uh, let us know if like you can uh, notice maybe some correlation because I definitely got some of that in there, which is I think a good thing. So. Um, I'd yeah, be, I'd yeah, be curious to see up. what you think, but, um, so you're jamming to some of the bands that you had mentioned, but can you give us some more insight on maybe some music bands or artists that actually really influenced the sound of my Jerusalem? Well, I think for us, it's a lot of stuff like, you know, a lot of new wavy stuff or post-punk stuff like echo and the bunny man and yeah. joy division. And then I think it's also a lot of like classic songwriters like buddy Holly and nice. Roy Orbison, you know, um, part of the goal with, and part of the reason I love both of those musical time periods and, and, and part of what we were trying to do when we made this record was I feel like records today just sound too good, you know, and too, <laughs> yeah. and, and too clean and proper and they're done inside a computer and yep. everything's all, 
manicured. And for this record, what we tried to do is sort of what was the process, you know, and that's why it might have whatever the you know, quote unquote specter sound to it, which was yeah. sort of what we were aiming for is everybody, you know, gets in a room, we put up a bunch of mics and everybody bleeds onto everybody else. Yeah. You know, and, and that blood is what makes albums sound fucking great to me. I totally, totally agree with that. So as I was doing some research on the band, um, I was looking on your Facebook, My Jerusalem's Facebook, and um, mm-hmm. I, I like this post that you uh, put out on uh, New Year's Day. So you're asking your fans, what was the first song they listened to in 2017? So what was the first song that you jammed in 2017? I didn't see uh, uh, any answer from the band. Uh, for me, it was uh, it was actually I think I answered it somewhere in there, but it was uh, Towns Van Zant Flying Shoes. Oh. And then after that, after that, it was uh, I'm in a huge I've always have been, but I'm in a, I've also been in a huge Sinatra phase oh, okay. for a while. And so uh, but like the super sad bastard Sinatra, not like big band, you know, <laughs> Sinatra. Uh, so number two was uh, We Small Hours of the Morning by Sinatra, which I think is a perfect song for any occasion. Really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, do you was there a song that you can remember? Listening to the first one in 2017? Being the f- very first song. <clears throat> I didn't think about it, so I don't know. But, I mean, looking back, it, it, do you know what, what it could have been? Um, No, I really don't, to be honest with you. Well, uh, I actually don't either. But, I have no um, idea. It, maybe next year, going into 2018, <laughs> I'll pay more attention to that. Everyone was too hammered by uh, Seriously. I really know what the fuck it <laughs> probably, probably cool in the gang. I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> well, 2016 was a... Rough year in a lot of aspects, especially, you know, with some of the uh, really amazing artists that we lost. Um, One one might say all these. Right. Right. Seriously. What a what a crazy year in that regard. But Brandon and I, you know, we've talked to, um, you know, a lot of bands about this that we we believe that 2016 really pushed out a lot of really great music. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think that. I think that we're always putting out good music, no matter what the what the atmosphere of the world is. You can't you can't let those kind of you can't let you know events, whether it's like the death of heroes, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. death of hope, the death of hope of a nation, any of these kind of <laughs> things. Really, you can't let these things define you. As a you also can't that, judge but, it by what's played on the radio either. You yeah, know what I mean? oh, like, for it, sure. Just because you know it doesn't make the top forty charts doesn't mean there's not fucking killer music that's being produced and put out even silently uh, yeah. you know what i mean there's there's insane artists that are putting out music you know artists from the 70s the 80s that are still releasing music that doesn't even have a release date they never publicly said that it's coming out they just release the music and if you're a fan of that person you hear about it and you listen to it and and, and right. move on oh yeah you could go down a rabbit hole and find tons of amazing music i mean Listen, I don't, you know, I don't think much of what I ever listened to or, or liked was popular enough to really radio that much other than when I was a kid, you know, listening yeah. to Nirvana and things yeah. like that, Pearl Jam and whatever <laughs> I was into. As a, but I mean, nowadays, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not really into the whole weird sort of over-medicated, uh, you know, folk pop, folk hip hop bullshit or whatever the fuck is going on all the time. <laughs> They're like, you know, some stuff I hear on the radio is great. Like I don't knock anybody on. Right. Like if you, if you make art and you can make a living and make an art and you connect to people and change their lives, more power to you. Yeah. You're fucking but doing also, it, man. Yeah. But, the, and the, you know, but the, 
the highest ones, the, the you know the ones that pay the tons of money to to get to the the top twenty and this and that. Like it's, most of the time, most of the time, I'm not I'm not usually. It's not. It's more stuff that's easily accessible and has like less scars. And I like things that have more scars. I like tangible, real things that I can relate to. And I've had a fucked up life. Most of my friends have had fucked up lives. That's the stuff I relate to, not the not the happy go lucky stuff on yeah. the radio. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and look with with all these different mediums and platforms to acquire music, it really is endless, you know, so you can find something uh, for whatever you're looking for, whatever mood you're in. So, uh, you know, yeah, not a, all the changes in the music industry have been bad. You know what I mean? The moving no, from analog to digital has kind of changed things, but the digital age has also opened up, you know, a wormhole for, for people to find, you know, oh, I little think that, known artists and things like that. I don't think it's actually, I mean, it's changed, but not that. Look, you know, I, I understand when fellow artists complain about, you know, the the way things have gone financially and making money off of records. But yeah. I don't know anyone who is fucking making money off of selling records. Like, really? Right. Did you do that? You made money off of selling records? Like, it, it's always the same hustle. You just got to kind of adapt. And now there's so much access to so much great art. Yeah. The only problem is this now the underground is a little overcrowded, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's no longer underground, you know? No. You know, so it's like, whoa, where do I even start? You know, and... <laughs> You're you know. right. Uh, the the technology has really kind of uh, deteriorated that um, kind of that allure to it as as well. But um, hey, I'm not complaining. You know, more music is is definitely a good thing. So um, I agree. Let, let's dive a little bit deeper now into my Jerusalem and and more specifically into the release of the most recent full length album, A Little Death. So that came out in June of 2016. Correct. Yeah, it was like June 24th, 25th, yeah, something like that. June 24th is my birthday, so thank you for the birthday present. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's all for you, man. (laughs) Thanks, brother. I mean, planned it that way. Yeah, I feel special. Um, But, hey, man, I I really, really dig the the album. Um, It really has this, like, dark sexiness to it. And and I almost, from doing some research and and reading some other interviews and things, I kind of feel like that was the the approach that you were going for a little bit as well. Uh, Oh, definitely. I think that, you know, I think one unfortunate thing is, is partially due to how people make records and technology and all that stuff is I think, I think music's kind of lost its sexiness a little bit and it really shouldn't. No, it it should not. Some of the best music wasn't afraid to approach that and to really incorporate that. It, whether it was in your face or more subliminal or just giving you that gritty kind of vibe of that. Um, yeah. But I get that with your music in, in particular with that album. So definitely a nice, uh, refreshing uh, approach on Jeff, that one. Do you intentionally do that or is that organic just, you know, as a part of your thoughts and, and what, you know, the translation of your thoughts to music i mean I, th- I think like anything it started out when i was a kid intentionally doing it and then it just yeah. became organic you know I, I think it's sort of something that i definitely was you know I've, I've always been attracted to things that had swagger and a little bit of you know a, a, a little bit of darkness to it and, yeah and so that's sort of you know what i aimed for and now i think eventually i became comfortable in my skin enough that that's it's really just my natural voice you know um which I'm, you know, which ironically, I'm actually a pretty, you know, a pretty up smart ass 
kind of guy, <laughs> consider considering how dark the music is sometimes. But but I, I actually think that that's the proper juxtaposition. So you know. the album was essentially written during your like personal journey back to where your late mother grew up. Correct. Yes. Correct. So yeah. was it hard to be there and to immerse yourself into kind of facing some of those feelings and emotions? Well, I think that at first I sort of set this goal that it's like, okay, my mother passed away, you know, I kind of felt a little ungrounded and, and, and I, and I wanted to write and I was having a hard time writing. And then I was like, Oh, well, let me see if I, you know, I actually had a friend that was like, Hey, do you want to house it for me for a couple of weeks? And oh, it's wow. right. And it's right in the same part of, you know, in the, it's like old school Brooklyn, basically like a time capsule, you know? Yeah. It's not, nothing but, you know, old Russian ladies, old Polish ladies, none of them speak English. It's great. Yeah. So, you know, I went there and, and then I think as I started, I, I think maybe it was a little bit of an elephant in the room because maybe my goals were a little too lofty, you know, yeah. because it's not like I wanted to write an, an album as a tribute yeah. to my mother or even necessarily songs about the situation. I just wanted to sort of take a deep breath, acknowledge what was sort of happening in my life and be in this place where I felt like I had roots and some kind of history and then create art there. And that eventually happened. I think the first few days it was sort of just like, you know, I'm not writing some like morning, my dead mother rock opera. I'm, I'm actually just like sort of trying to become at peace with the situation that she's no longer here and, and that she was sick for a long time. And that, you know, and that it's okay for me to feel these things and, and, you know, and then let's make art. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and, I haven't said it, but I am sorry uh, for the loss. And, oh, um, yeah, you know, I appreciate you talking a little bit about it. I'm not sure if it's, you know, easy or hard or, or what have you, but I do appreciate it. And I know you've talked about it in other interviews and everything. So, uh, but I was curious, you know, when you first heard the album prior to its release, how did it make you feel? And, and how does it make you feel now when you hear tracks off of it, is it the same feeling? Is it tough? I mean, well, give us some insight. No, I feel, I feel like it's great because I feel like I kind of set out to, you know, I set out to sort of battle my demons and create something out of it. And I listen back to it and I still actually love it. This is the first album I've made. I think that I can listen back to a few months later and I'm still like, Oh, this sounds really good. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and, and that's a big milestone because you know, uh, most artists are cliche to an extent, like so critical on themselves, you know, they're, they're biggest critics. So um, it's nice to be able to go back and, and kind of reminisce and, and be able to enjoy the, the art that, that you've created. Yeah. I mean like this, this I, I, I love, I love the Rick, you know, I, I have a, a lot of other records I've been involved in where I didn't feel the same way. So it's nice to actually like, be it, I don't know if this is maturity or what it is, but it, it's that it's something you know that uh, that makes me actually really appreciate it. And it, and we did not have the easiest of recording processes making the record. Like I love where it ended up, but the point for like the the journey from point A to point B was not always the easiest. So can you elaborate me, on that? Because I was actually kind of curious. Like you know, you went and almost like kind of 
hold up into, you know, a house uh, in an area that you maybe haven't been in in a while or don't frequently go and visit. Um, you know, so what you went there and, and wrote the music, but when did you actually go and record it? And what was that recording process like? So I went and was writing everything in about February and then I came home and started, didn't start really, uh, working on it with the band until probably about July. Um, and then going into August, September, you know, and, and we had actually, uh, we rented out this studio that's an old church in the middle of, uh, in the middle of like old Austin, okay. super East. And it was like a, an early 1800s church that was gutted and made into, you know, a recording studio fit well in with the tongue in cheek irony of my Jerusalem. Let's record in a church like this, you know, <laughs> and so none of us are fucking religious, whatever. Okay. So, um, you know, and we made the record there. Well, we started making the record there and it was, it sort of actually took us a minute to, to kind of, we, I, I think that we had this goal of what we wanted it to sound like and it was taking some time and, and some of the people involved, like the producer and stuff, it was sort of, I, I, I think we had a little bit of a different style than he did. And so it just took some use to take, took some time to get used to each other. Yeah. Jeff, I like that yeah. you keep calling it a record. Now, yeah, so <clears throat> rather than like an album, uh, An oh, yeah. Angelo and I both are are vinyl junkies, and we've mentioned that you know throughout uh, plenty of past episodes. Are you a vinyl vinyl head as well? Com completely, and that's why nice. you know the the actual the vinyl release of this album. It's like it's it's double heavyweight clear, oh, you know, beautiful. vinyl with with a great layout that's done actually by our friend Rich from the band Psychedelic Furs, and it's got photos by my favorite photographer Steve Gullick so it's got like uh it's 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 a beautiful piece of artwork actually the packaging on the vinyl how right. would a, a vinyl maniac like me get my hands on on a copy where can I buy it uh, I'm sure anywhere on the internets or on the uh you know any on any the interwebs there yeah yeah or any kind of local stores if they're indie stores I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch in the used bin no um, <laughs> uh, just kidding um <laughs> So yeah, these, they're pretty readily available. I mean, do I you have a store like that's set yeah, up for yeah, you? you to, yeah, if you go to our website, if you go to uh, thisismyjerusalem.com, dot com, yeah, uh, there's a there's a, a link to buy merch and uh, and 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 we can send one out to you. Killer. Now, in a moment here, Jeff, we're actually going to play a track off of the album, uh, and it's it's my favorite track from it. You also have a music video for it that we're going to talk about. After we play the song, the song is no one going to give you love. Um, really enjoy that. Uh, hell of a song. Do you have a song from the album that you would say maybe is your favorite? I would say my favorites, uh, you know, what? it changes all the time. It's because most of the time it's, you know, but usually depending on how our live shows go. And my favorite is actually the last song on the record called Chrysalis, but it's oh, okay. definitely I like the deep cuts, you know. I also like the the sad bastard ones a little bit too. So yeah, you know. So what we're gonna do right now is for all the listeners who are here, uh, we are going to play "No One Gonna Give You Love" in its entirety. Jeff, what do you think? Is that cool? I think that's a great idea. Awesome, Brandon. You ready? Let's rock and roll, man. All right. So without further ado, from the most recent album from My Jerusalem. 
we are going to play no one gonna give you love right here right now on the spinning thoughts podcast boom enjoy
So that was No One Gonna Give You Love off of the new album from My Jerusalem, A Little Death. Now, Jeff, is there any kind of insight into this song that you can provide to us? We're going to talk about the music video, and I have some questions revolving around that. But any kind of uh, insight we can gain on the meaning or message behind the song itself? Well, it was sort of a challenge to myself to see whether, because, you know, a lot of times I do write a lot of darker stuff. And uh, I, I had a, uh, a a family member sort of kind of confront me and be like, hey, how come, you know, why don't you ever write any love songs? You know, how come you can't, how come you can't write more like positive stuff? And so it was sort of, you know, my initial reaction was like, ah, you know, fuck this. You know, like no one tells me what to do with my <laughs> do art. Do I come to your fucking... job, motherfucker, and tell yeah. you what yeah, to exactly. do? Right? Yeah. I don't come down to the bus stop and knock the dick out of your mouth. Don't fucking tell me. No. So, you know, but it, and then you know, and then and then afterwards, I, I I was just sort of you know, I, I afterwards I accidentally, you know, because <laughs> I was sort of like I'll show this, bro. I could write a love so I could, and of course. <laughs> It's a, it's a, and it's, it's a positive, you know, love song in it, but it's also dark as yeah. well and in tone as, as again, I think that's just sort of like my natural atmosphere without, you know, intentionally ever trying. I think right. things just sort of have a, a mood to it. Um, so it was sort of, yeah, it was sort of written, uh, as a, as a response to a challenge, I guess. Well, I think that, uh, you did a nice job on that response and, um, you continued, really diving more into the song um, by releasing a music video for it. So who was the creative force behind the actual like video, the production, things like that? Did you have a big part in that? Uh, I did. Well, you know, there's a, there's a, a bar that's actually literally down the street from my home called Don's Depot. And it's one of the oldest bars left in Austin, Texas. And it's, you know, it, a lot of times they have like these really old honky tonk bands playing. Yeah. And you'll see like these blue haired 70 year old ladies dancing with young guys. It's always <laughs> packed. With, it's like, it's, it's like a David Lynch movie in there. Oh, you know, it's, it's my kind of place. Yeah. Packed, packed with quirky characters. There's random crap all over the walls. You know, like the bathroom is actually like a soldered on caboose of a train. Oh, like the, the the whole thing has a lot of character. Austin so my, in general just has a lot of character, so it makes sense to yeah. approach that with the video. And this is definitely like the heart of that whole, you know, great part of Austin. So I sort of I thought it would be great to because the video we had done before for Rabbit Rabbit, we went to New York, we did yeah. it there, we did it. it was, this one we kind of wanted to do on our home turf. We just sort of had this idea where it would be great if it could just be like sort of showing like almost like the awkward high school dance and how that concept applies throughout whether you're a kid or yeah. an adult. And and Dodge Depot is one of those places where you see that go down in front of your eyes all the time. And so we uh, we got a hold of our friend Erica, uh, Erica Silverman, who lives here in town. And she did our friend Robert Ellis's video. And I loved his video. And I was like, hey, you know, what do you think of this idea? And she, she sort of took that even further. It just made it like a great, a great little piece, you know. And is she you know, was the it, director. She was the director. Yes. Awesome. And now, was she also the director for the video Rabbit Rabbit? No, she was not. Uh, that was uh, 
this gentleman named uh, Nathan Crooker. Okay. Now, as you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, the atmosphere of the venue where you recorded uh, the video for the song, um, very kind of like diverse and eclectic. Um, the actors in there, I, I just really, they felt not like not forced. Like they felt like just your normal kind of person, you know, quirky, normal, things like that. Did you know the actors personally? How did you? No, no, I actually didn't. But what Erica and I did is for a few nights, we actually went to the bar uh-huh. and we're, we're you know, getting some of the people that were there and having them come. And we were like, hey, do you want to be in a video? It's actually going to be here. And what we want you to do is exactly what you're doing. That's awesome. So, you know, so uh, like stage reality television. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, reality you know. television is not reality? <laughs> <laughs> um, so and another kind of uh, aspect uh, that I was curious to get your uh, opinion on is so a few episodes ago uh, on the Spinning Thoughts podcast here we talked to a band called Spirit Animal. You ever hear of them? Uh, I have. I think they've. Uh, I have. Um, I think they follow us on social media and they've reached. Oh, I think we've we've met. I think uh, in passing and stuff a couple times. They're they're pretty rad. They've got a a really different um, style and approach to music. Uh, so I definitely recommend them, uh, you know, to you or anyone else listening, but, um, they are very big on incorporating videos to encapsulate the atmosphere of their music. They believe it provides a whole different dimension to the band and that this creative process is they believe that like the music video creative process is one of the most difficult to accomplish artistically. So what are your thoughts on this medium overall? And do you continue or do you plan to continue utilizing it uh, moving forward? Uh, you know, if, if possible, yes. You know, uh, my, myself and, and Grant, our drummer, are, are two huge, huge, huge film buffs. Uh, you know, why our music has sort of a cinematic feel to it. Is, yeah. Uh, I love, you know, I love film. It, it's I think it's one of the greatest, you know, art forms there is. And I, I, I definitely think it's tough. It's tough matching a visual to your song because for me, once you do, it sort of permanently ingrains it in people's brains, you know, like right. when, especially, you know, obviously music video had a, a bigger heyday when it was more of a common thing on TV and you would hear these songs on the radio. And as soon as you heard the song on the radio, you picture the video. Like, right. It it's the same thing with books together. too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for instance, I read the hunger game series, right. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, and then I see the movie and I'm like, oh, Woody Harrelson is Haymix. That's not the way it played in my mind, but now it's permanently there. So if you go back and reread the book, you now picture Haymitch as Woody Harrelson when you never totally. did that initially. Yeah, and, some, and sometimes it's great, and then sometimes it could be, you know, a little bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for me, the noise can give you love record, record, video, sorry, <laughs> Um, the video for that, I think it came together real fast. We had the idea, we called up Erica a week later, we were shooting, it took us a day. That's, yeah, that is pretty fast. Yeah, and then the next week we had the first edit. That's fantastic. I think it's when you labor over all these ideas, which we've had some of those kind of videos too, and it just becomes this big thing, and it's... I don't know, like, I think it's one of those things where it should just feel natural. Yeah. Um, 
Well, let you me know. ask you, Jeff, is there a right way and a wrong way to do it? Uh, I don't know because I don't know which I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it's different for everybody. I, I mean, if you have like a crazy budget, you know, I, yeah. I say make a crazy fucking video. Like, you know, they're, they're you know, like make the turn down for what video, you know, where the guy's falling <laughs> yeah. through the fucking high rise apartment through all these, you know, if I could do that, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. However, when you're a band like us, us, you know, you have, we're on an indie label and it's an indie label budget and you're pulling favors left and right. And yeah. Yeah. Here's 1500 bucks, dude. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, cool. Who are we hiring for special fee? You know, like nobody. Yeah. Cause you can't. So, you know, you know, we we had one video off our our last album actually that was this uh, this awesome woman Alinka Hoffner did, which was and she hand drew every frame of an animated video. Wow. And she, uh, yeah, she works with like she works a lot with Nick Cave and and we were just friendly and she was a fan of the band and so you know she she definitely did us a solid. So so sometimes the things work out, you know, and that took actually a long time. It took three months just for to draw the whole video. Um, That's, so I don't yeah. know. I think it's, it's different all the time. You know, sometimes magic happens in 10 seconds and then sometimes <laughs> magic happens over a long period of time and costs a shit ton of money. Yeah. Ain't that know? the truth. Is there another track off of the album that you're looking to uh, create another music video for, or is there one that you're we already have, working uh, on? <laughs> we have, uh, we have a couple ideas for, uh, for that, for the song. It's torture. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a great, great tune. Yeah, that's that's another favorite of mine, you know. And, and I don't know, you know, if, if, if maybe it's the next single. I don't know if it is or not or something. But but if it is, like I, you know, I, I we have a couple great ideas that we've kind of riffed about for videos for it. So. And in that song in particular, I really think sky's the limit for, for the creativity, um, you know, for visuals on that. I would love to actually see what you guys come up with. Um, if you approach that song for a music video. So um, we'll have to keep in touch. So if it ends up happening, we'll talk more about it when it does. Yeah, now, for sure. Now uh, we're still early on in 2017, Jeff. So uh, I'm curious, what are the plans for the band with this new year? I mean, the main plan again is just to, we're trying to get as many uh, touring opportunities as possible, play as many shows and try to reach as many people as far away and as close to home as we can and and then start working on new music you know uh you know the way an album process works obviously you've written and recorded this stuff kind of far before it comes out so right. at this point we're already kind of hungry to start doing you know some more stuff so do you see yourself uh releasing another full length next or um, approaching like that single bass kind of musical culture that exists, EPs. I mean, what do you see coming down the pipeline in that regard for the band? I, I, I don't have any specific layout like that, honestly. Like I, I'm open to whatever makes sense, you know, whether it's timing. Obviously for me, I love, I love full lengths because yeah. it's an experience and it's a journey, but I also understand that that's sort of like a, a Luddite kind of, state of mind you know in in today's culture you know everything is 
real disposable and real yes. fit. You know, I had actually, I had someone ask me the other night, like, when's the next record coming out? And I was just like, go fuck yourself. This <laughs> just came out. Are you right. Me? Like, right. Well, that's, you know, people are just always hungry for more, you know, four albums a year from you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, you know, also, I'm not sure that our fan base and our demographic are the ones that are just like hot on only singles. And yeah. To, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, I think that we actually have, you know, I think people that like our music are people that invest a lot into songs and albums, into artwork, into, you know, not to, you know, not, not to It's very that. interesting that you say that because in this line of work with the Spending Thoughts podcast, Angelo and I get to talk to bands from all kinds of, of backgrounds and all kinds of uh, mindsets, and some of them say, Look, we don't even, you know, we've released one full length, but we're doing EPs and that's what we do. You know, and then there's we talk to people like you, Jeff, that are like, you know what, fuck EPs. I'm in it for the full album, you know, and that's kind of the way that I am, too. Being a vinyl junkie, I like the experience of sitting down and listening to 45 minutes or an hour of a piece of work that somebody's, you know, put together. Uh, rather than that attention span of, of wow, I can get through three uh, uh, yeah. minutes of a single and then, you know, on to the next. Yeah, no, for me, it's I'm into the three-hour director's cut, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Well, it's a journey, you know, music and and albums, you know, should be a journey. And um, sometimes there's corners that are cut and everything. But there's a complexity to to My Jerusalem's sound and, and again, that, like, the, the best way that I can explain the way your music makes me feel, it's just a dark sexiness. And I, I really like that. It's it's different from a lot of the cookie cutter um, music that, that often you find um, floating around the, the Internet. So um, and again, yeah. like Brandon mentioned, you know, all three of us here, we, we all dig the vinyl platform. And so that goes back to really getting the full experience from start to finish. So. Well, and that's also important, you know, again, with single culture, you got to keep in mind also that fucking word, which is horrible, is single. It's like everything you put out shouldn't be a single. Right. You know, right. like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't just want the fucking greatest hits like the, the songs that you carry along the way and become yours and become the soundtrack to your life are usually the deeper cuts and yeah. not the ones that are just like, you know, the super saturated for radio ones, you know, at. Right. Because that's where the art is, you know, the art is on making the more complex songs that are more hard to digest, not the ones that are easy to digest, you know, is there more? Yeah, is there a like for the band again, you guys were doing some touring, um, some extensive traveling um, toward the back end of 2016. Is there a particular part of the country uh, that that you personally enjoy touring or visiting the most? I mean, I grew up in New York, so I always loved being, you know, in the Northeast. You know, I live in Austin, Texas now. Um, Did you grow up in the city you know, of New York? I, I grew up uh, about 40 minutes north of the city, 45 minutes north of the city in a town called Newburgh, New York. All right. Um, which is the uh, murder and crack capital of New York. Oh, hell um, yeah. Is that unofficial or, or is, is that that's for a real? Bit, that's, official. That's, that's, that's official. Like, you get, there's a lot of great New York Times articles. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's. A lot of times it's considered like somewhere between the eighth and tenth worst city in America. Wow. It's like a little, it's like a small Flint, Michigan, you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so, but I always love the Northeast, you know, and, 
and I, I, there are parts of the West Coast that I love. I, I feel like there are definitely people who are either East Coast or West Coast people, and I think yeah. I'm definitely an East Coast person, but I still love, you know, playing San Francisco. I love being in Los Angeles for like a day or two at a time. Yeah. You know, uh, there's not a lot of places I don't like to be. <laughs> now, toward the end of 2016 on, on the podcast, um, a question that we were asking uh, the the different bands and artists that we had on um, that I kind of want to have you uh, answer as well is is kind of looking into the future um, of of different milestones or goals that you hope to accomplish. So basically, you know, if you could fast forward to the end of 2017, um, what looking back, what do you hope that you and the band accomplish this year? Like like the top priority or the just the thing you really want to achieve. I mean, for me, it's just connecting, you know, with more people, like getting to play for more people, you know, and, and people to sort of absorb it and get it. And, you know, I like I like to think of this as, you know, there is sort of like an old school, you know, outsiders meets the warriors gang mentality. And I kind of want to I want my gang to be the, the biggest and baddest of all of them, you know. So so really, I just want to rec- recruit more people <laughs> There you, <laughs> you go. Know, and, and, have, and 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 just make a difference, you know make great art and have people actually appreciate that art. Hell yeah. Now, um, we're kind of winding down toward the end of, uh, this, uh, episode with you, Jeff. And, um, I wish that we could just not stop talking, but, um, you know, there's gotta be, I guess a line in the sand, but, um, there's a segment that I actually, and not to put any pressure on you, but there's a segment that Brandon and I do on the podcast often. And I think that you would be really good in doing this segment just because of, again, that darkness, that sexiness that you bring to your music uh, and just your voice. It, it's very recognizable um, yeah. and, and not cliche. So the segment's called Lyrics as a Poem. Uh, and, and I'm going to let Brandon kind of give you the, the rundown on how this segment is is accomplished uh, we hope that you want to do it with us so it's, go ahead. it's not super complicated um you take a lyric that you wrote jeff so give us a verse or a chorus or something um and instead of singing that lyric you read that lyric as if it were a piece of poetry it could be slam poetry or uh you know uh, just standard you know standard poetry read it as as sensual and as animated as yeah. you possibly can you down with that yeah. i could I'll, I'll do my best hell yeah right, now so tell so, us the name of the song yeah name the song um, and um either a verse or a chorus and let us know when you finish it uh so that we can give you the uh the round of applause that you'll deserve you got it uh i'll do uh i'll do the song dominoes off of a little desk awesome. all right awesome dominoes can't stop the bleeding. It's too late now. So we sucked out the poison and we spit it out. One door slams shut, another's broken down. I totally fumbled up my own. Hey, that's you know- part of, of the beauty of this is that, and we've talked about this plenty yeah. of times lyrics that we write when you're not singing them, it's, it's, it's very challenging. Yeah, it's very challenging. <laughs> One door slams shut, another's broken down. Don't be too scared, but you're foaming at the mouth. There we go. And no yeah. one's going to stop us now. Nice. All right, let's yeah. get it for Jeff. 
<laughs> that is hard, actually. Now that you know, it's 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 interesting trying because my brain doesn't think about it when I'm singing it, but my right. brain is overly thinking about it when I'm speaking. And it. you don't speak it in the same cadence that you sing it. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's very weird. Thank you for uh, for doing that. We it's one of our favorite segments. Just yeah, gives a it. different uh, perspective to. to uh, the I think it's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, Jeff, uh, before we sign off here, and again, I really want to thank you for your time. I was really looking forward to this interview, so thank you. Uh, before we sign off, tell your fans and our listeners where they can find the band, anything else that you think would be a good topic to kind of end the podcast Shamelessly on. plug yourself, brother. Shamelessly plug myself. Well, <laughs> you know, you can uh, – <laughs> You can find us, uh, our website is thisismyjerusalem.com. We're on Facebook under My Jerusalem. I think all of our handles on like Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, I don't know what else there is. There's, you know, I think if you if I'm ordering food on Grubhub, any of that shit, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just My Jerusalem. Nice. Um, my Amazon gift list, My Jerusalem. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. We really, we, you know, I, I have a, a love-hate relationship with social media. I sort of love interacting with everyone, and then I hate interacting with everybody. <laughs> well, no, I'm more, I'm more like, I'm more actually just, I, I feel like it's always a challenge to kind of keep putting entertaining stuff out there, but at the same time, I secretly like it. Um, so, you know, follow us on all that kind of stuff, and, and uh, you know, you can uh, sign up on our mailing list and find out where we're playing in your city and uh i think you'd like it awesome come Def on out. definitely definitely encourage everyone uh to to check out my jerusalem if you haven't yet and definitely go out and see them as you said jeff you know the live performance is is maybe a little bit different than what you acquire uh from the studio um you know version it's a lot more cathartic yeah for sure awesome um real quick though um just before we sign off have, have you guys played in pittsburgh before we have played in Pittsburgh. We played actually. We played a we played a suburb of Pittsburgh. We played at, in Carnegie. Oh, okay. Yeah, we actually at the like music kind of, hall. It, yeah, so it's actually funny. It's called Carnegie Music Hall, right? Yeah. So, but it's you know but we, not we Carnegie there, Hall, you know, New but York not, City. Yeah, so yeah. it's like hey, I guess tell my dad I'm playing a Carnegie Hall. He doesn't have to know the difference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's actually our only. Uh, racket my brain right now but i think it might be our only pittsburgh play we've really done but we played there with uh on a tour with the wallflowers oh, no way yeah. really yeah yeah how yeah. was that that's amazing uh, it, was great. it was great you know it's uh i think uh i think their fans maybe were kind of uh, i think we're a little bit darker than normally what they take out in, <laughs> um so I think some of their fans totally loved it and got it, and then I think maybe it was a little bit more challenging from some of their fans. But as people, they're great people. They're great friends of ours. They're awesome. They're an awesome band. And and you got to play Carnegie Hall. So Hell lot, yeah. Right? Or do you have plans? Um, is there any kind of you know um, tour or anything coming up that Pittsburgh's going to be on that date? Uh, not sure yet. There's a lot of tentatives going on. There's like a lot of pencil all over the calendar. Yeah. I'm just waiting for some of it to become pen. Awesome. You know, well, Hey man, uh, if you end up coming over this way, uh, let's get back in contact. Maybe we can chat again, uh, on the podcast and Brandon and I will definitely, uh, come on out and, uh, we'll, we'll grab you a beer and meet you in person and check out the set. Yeah, you bet. No doubt. That'd be great. Awesome. For sure. All right, Jeff. So, hey, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Spinning Thoughts podcast. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, we'll have to do it again soon.
Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Make sure you hang on tight here as we sign off. We want to say bye off the air and talk about some secret stuff, okay? You got it. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks again. See you, my brother. Be good, guys. Once again, we want to thank Jeff from My Jerusalem for joining us here on the Spinning Thoughts podcast. Brandon, give us a little update on how you're feeling after this awesome conversation. I'm very intrigued. I've only listened to uh, a little death, uh, so I can't wait to hear what the future holds for My Jerusalem. The, the style that they have is very intriguing. I'm, I'm excited. Keep an eye out for different tour dates uh, near you here in 2017 for My Jerusalem. Check out their most recent full-length album, A Little Death and uh, pick it up, uh, get it on vinyl, and immerse yourself with some really awesome new music available now. Make sure you follow the Spinning Thoughts podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. You can subscribe to the podcast, and we encourage you to do so on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And please visit our website at spinningthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. Signing off from the Spinning Thoughts Podcast, this is Angelo. And this is Brandon. We're leaving you from the Spinning Thoughts Podcast World Music Megaplex here at Evergreen Studios. Peace. Peace out. Every time I want to speak